Hi everyone and welcome back to the Early Years Edit podcast. Myself and Adam are back for season two now that I've finally managed to track him down and he's not too busy for me. Hi Adam. Hello, are you okay? Yes, are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, sorry, I've been um, trying to balance so much over the past the past few weeks and months. It's, uh, it's hard, but hopefully now we can nail down a consistent time to get recorded and try and be back much more regularly for, for all the listeners. Yeah, we're hoping to do every other week, aren't we? So we'll see. And if we don't do every other week, I just want to let the listeners know that it's probably because of you, not because of me. <laughs> uh, yeah, OK, that's, that's <laughs> probably joking, fair. <laughs> um, so, yeah, tell us a bit about what you've been up to then, because obviously you're now working with Early Years or for, I don't really know, Early Years Educator. You're an, you're an editor now, are you, for them? Uh, yes, yeah, so yeah, fairly obviously, fairly recently, definitely since we last recorded, um, I've started working yeah for Early Years um, Educator Magazine as the editor of a new supplement that we've launched in the middle of the magazine called Practice Insight, which is all about getting the people who are involved in practice and um, practitioners to share their knowledge and their experiences, and also like a, a bit of space for authors and students as well to to share with with readers, like you know, a real life experiences that we see all the time on social media but don't necessarily make it sort of beyond that to the people who don't use earlier social media because even though we know you know it is quite big and you know there are a lot of people out there there are also a huge amount of the work you know of the workforce who do not engage in social media for for whatever reason and then who miss so much of the amazing cpd and the learning and the, the progression that takes place on there yeah, definitely. And also, I suppose it's an opportunity for people who, because there's a lot of people in early years who engage on social media, but don't necessarily share their own practice. So it's a great opportunity for them to, for other people to share their practice within the supplement, isn't it? Because basically replaced the old supplement, which I think is a, is a great step forward, really, because I think it was getting a little bit outdated. Uh, yeah, I think obviously practical preschool is is well known, and and you know a lot of people know it, and it had some some activity it had activity ideas in there every month, and I think you know when we were thinking about it, it was just the idea of providing voices for people who might not necessarily you, you know be known and might not necessarily be be heard, and those though like the the main play experience in there is a case study, so it follows the journey from when you set up. Um, a provocation or an invitation to obviously what your intent was to the children um, it, how you wanted it to be implemented to obviously then the children engaging with it and, and how what really happened because again you know going back to the social media what we've spoken about before you see all the amazing settles but you don't necessarily see the before you know the during and after as well as the before so I, I think it, it's about that and rather than just giving an idea of like here's something you could go and do it's actually giving them you know the practical experience yeah, like really full, of attacking yeah the full reasoning behind it which obviously is is so important and we are moving away from an activity aren't we um which i think is like another discussion in itself because this actually leads me on to something that i was going to mention that um we recently had a um like early years advisor from our county council come out um and observe and whatever they they do um and she really went in on the fact that we had set up on 
one of the tables sort of sand play um, with a sort of beach theme and it was a bit like an invitation for the children to explore. She really went, went in on the intentions behind that activity and I feel like she took it too far because to me it was just an invitation that the the practitioners had set up but to her she was like could you have not asked parents to bring in holiday photos could you have not you know added big fish and small fish so they could do them and it felt a bit like sorry aren't we moving away from this now this was just an invitation if the children want to then discuss going on holiday and ask their parents to bring in photos and we can facilitate that that's great but she was really sort of on this do, do you get where I'm going with it? Do, have I made sense there? Yeah, no, you have, yeah. And it, it's like you say, it sounds like she was wanting something that, it, like a more of an old school, for want of a better yeah. phrase, type of thing that was really well thought out that you planned three months in advance. And, or, and I don't think, yeah, I don't think that's where we're at now. I think we're very much, you know, not obviously in the moment planning is a big thing and in the moment planning is really important, but also, you know, like you say, providing those invitations and provocations for children to, to engage in. And they might go and look at that and no one might engage in that. Or no one, you know, there might be the opportunity to talk about big fish and small fish, but if you're going to go with how what the children are interested in and how they're going to take it, where they're seeing it going, then you can't cover all bases in the initial plan, can you? And I think that, like you say, that sounds very much like they still like, right, you know, this is the activity for today. This is what they're going to learn from it, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I think that's something that, you know, I've heard as well from other people who've had other, you know, advisors in from, from wherever, whether they're independent or whether they're from the local authority, that there is still a lot of the way of thinking of it is very like, here's an activity. Here's what, what the children are going to achieve. No, they can't deviate from that sit down and do it and then we move on yeah it felt really sort of you know like you said old school because I just thought this is just a little bit of an invitation now where it goes it goes and that's up to the children and the practitioners during their you know play and the sustained shared thinking and everything that will go on but she really went in on that and then like sort of made a point of saying that um, we could plan our activities more, which really annoyed me because firstly, we don't do activities. And secondly, we don't do planning and she knows that. Um, it's just, So yeah, it just threw me off a little. And sometimes I think just having a conversation with someone like me, just mentioning it to you now, just helps me to say, that's just one person, you can put that to one side. Do you know what I mean? Because you start doubting yourself and thinking, does everything I think about early years make sense? Or am I doing it all wrong? No, uh, yeah. And when you are unfortunately still interacting you know, and coming across people in early years who still sort of think like that. And I'm not saying it's the wrong way, but what I'm saying is that things have moved on a little bit. And if things don't move, you know, without that change and without things ever moving on, then then it's hard, isn't it? And you can feel sometimes like you're swimming against the tide and that people who come in, you know, who are, do say, yes, uh, no, where's your planning? Let me, you know, let, let's sit down and talk me through what you're, you know, you're planning for each child today. And it's like, but I haven't got that written down. You know, that, that's not, that isn't how, how it works now. And that's not how children, when we know what baffles me a little bit is when we know that children learn best with that in the moment engagement and right there and then when they are thinking about that, that is the best time to build on something. Why there is still so many people, practitioners, you know, so experts, whatever you want to call them, 
who think that that's still the way to do it and that you're still like, but but today you need, you know, three pages worth of planning. Yeah. You know, but, but based on what you do, like yesterday I went to talk to um, the EYT group at, at my uni, so like um, for my tutor. She asked me to go in to speak to them just about what I've done since, since I did my EYT. And we were having this conversation there about like how when I did it last year, you and you still have to this year, you were expected for your observations to write like a three page plan. Yeah. Two, I, two days uh, in advance to give to your yeah. mentor, whoever was observing you. And it was like, you know, I struggled with that at the time and I still struggle with that now. And my, you know, my tutor was amazing at like adapting it and, and trying to find ways that you can also evidence like in the moment learning, but the statutory requirements of the course are that. So obviously you can't move away too much from that. And that was, you know, it was a conversation we were having again yesterday about how, again, old fashioned, old school is that and how when we're teaching the next generation of earliest teachers, some of them who, you know, haven't really got a great deal of earliest experience because they've, you know, done, for whatever route they've gone down to do it, they think that that is how early years should be because that's how the DFE and the statutory requirements of that course say it should be. Yeah, and that's the same really for your level threes because we had somebody come and observe our apprentice and it was a very specific... Uh, they wanted to observe her doing something about, um, like, health you know, uh, health eating and um, exercise with the children. And, I mean, that I would think you would do in the moment during meal times, during, but she needed to see an activity and that was part of the sort of, uh, you know, ticking off that she'd passed that part of the course. So I just said, oh, I'll just do an activity for the sake of it and then we'll just forget about it like it never happened. Yeah, and then that's really hard then, isn't it? Because obviously <laughs> it's hard for AU as a, you know, a practitioner to go from not planning the activities in advance to suddenly planning one that's going to be observed because, you know, you feel under pressure anyway to how good it's going to be in the content. But also a, a bit unusual for the children as well, because it's not something that they usually come across, you know, to write, oh, right now we're going to do this really structured thing. And, it, and that's why it's just it's just really odd. And I think at the moment there is still quite that big divide between people who think like, you know, me and you and, and many others and people who sort of still think a little bit like that advisor and, and those assessors and uh, and the way that the way that those courses are formatted. Yeah, it's just hopefully it'll keep pushing forward and things, you know, those courses will have an overhaul. But, you know, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. And for now, my advice to anybody who's finding themselves in that situation is just do it for the sake of doing it and then you don't have to do it again. Yeah. Um, because it is difficult. Okay. Um, we, we, we were just, you know, chatting, obviously, about what you're doing, and then we've gone off on a huge tangent, which is obviously fine, because that's where the best conversations come from. But um, I did want to ask you, because like I say, you know, I can't catch up with you these days. If, I am only joking, by the way. Adam <laughs> does return my messages. Um, <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to ask you a bit about your new sort of Instagram account and what's going on. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. So uh, me and uh, Helen Bartle, who is the Art of Early Years on Instagram, have been talking for a while, you know, about books and about representation and all all, all that and sort of how we still see a lot of, of accounts on social media and also in different settings, maybe maybe, maybe sharing stories that, that aren't necessarily the most representative um and 
as there's so many amazing stories out there, trying trying to provide a place where all them can sort of be collated and where people who share, you know, bookshelf stories, things that they you know that they find because I love seeing you know stories that that, that people share all the time. Like, oh look, I found this. Isn't this amazing? Where where that people could use a hashtag um, or tag us, which is what is on your bookshelf to collate all them and where we can share all them and, and just try and have a place where where we can have those conversations because there's so many different accounts on social media that all do it independently so it's just trying to yeah. find somewhere that we can we can bring it all together really yeah and i really love um artfelia's setups when she um takes a book and then um she adds all the little small world things and makes it really sort of immersive and i think she's really good at doing that so i would recommend that people go and follow um but yeah so that's really that's something to look forward to which is making reminding me that um the hips on the drag queen which was obviously our first ever sort of discussion when we had chris on the podcast there's a new book out now isn't there is it out yet i'm not sure if it's out yet i think it's coming out this month um but i don't know whether it's out whether it's out yet in the uk but i'm sure it's coming out this month yeah is it called if you're a drag queen and you know it i think yeah i think it's called that and um, also um the drag queen story hour the uk version of that are doing a summer tour of different libraries around the country, um, which I'm really excited about because there's one in Crewe, which isn't that far away from me, um, but they're doing them all over. So I would definitely recommend people go and check that out because, um, yeah, it just like seems like it's going to be fun and you might be able to take some of your, your setting children if you're close enough to one. Yeah, I saw that too, and again, crew's not too far for me, so I'm yeah, I'm uh, going to see if I can. I'm 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 in work, and my daughter's in nursing. I'm going to see if we can find a way that we can uh, get get at least get her over there. I think it's a little bit far to take our setting on the trip, but yeah, it looks amazing, and obviously it's something that well we've spoken about before uh, that we'd like to you know like the opportunity to experience. So it'd be so good to get to take the children, but um, obviously we've spoken about what I've been doing since we since we last spoke, so. Now I think it's your turn to fill us in on what you've been up to. I see that obviously you've started consultancy. Consultancies now, is that going well? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm not really doing my email courses anymore just because it's the admin of them, to be honest. It's just a lot of admin that I can't deal with. Um, so I just thought I might offer some bespoke training a consultancy to people like set groups hopefully like whole settings um and you know i've had enough bookings to keep me going until around september time so yeah it's not really something i'm overly pushing but it's something i enjoy doing so i sort of like having it there and if people want to dip in then they can you know dip in um if they don't then they don't <laughs> if they don't because they're sick of hearing me <laughs> as they don't but yeah excited to be working with it's nice to be working with like whole settings rather than doing the email courses with individuals because don't get me wrong it's nice doing it with individuals but with a whole setting you can really go deep into what they need on a very personal level yeah exactly that I guess you you can also sort of see the impact can't you like when you're doing the courses I, I guess it's quite hard to sort of see how that how that's translated down into into yeah. practice 
on the on the more granular level. Whereas when you're working with a setting like that, you'll get to see exactly what kind of impact you know impact you're and having and how it's changing. That is my passion, really, because as many people will know, um, I. I'm the managing director over three settings. So the OG setting, which is like my baby, is the one that you will see most of most of my photographs are from that setting. I heavily work at that setting. The other two settings, um, we took over about three years ago, one of them and about seven months, the other one. And it's really been such a tough project to get them from where they were to how I want them but it's been really sort of satisfying to see that journey happen and obviously like one of the settings got outstanding on its first inspection so I do think that I've got the kudos to back me up sort of thing and I think I genuinely believe and I hate promoting myself and you know that because I never promote anything really very much um I hate to myself, but I really do think that I've got a really good sort of skill now in turning a setting around if that setting's on board. But it is a long process, like, you know, it can take two years plus to turn a setting around, depending on where its starting point is. Yeah, that's fair. And obviously, the, the fact that, you, you know, it's something that you have got experience of and that, you know, you have done, and I know you don't spend too much time, you know, promote, promoting yourself, but you should. But, um, yeah, but I, I've, uh, you've clearly got you know the the experience and the knowledge knowledge to do that because you, you've lived it, and that's the most important thing uh, that anyone can do when when they are you know trying to share their experiences and, and they're trying to you know turn the setting around or how whatever you want to word it. The the best way to do that is when you've already been through it because you know what works and you know how to do it, and and you've got those examples already that you can share with people and hopefully then it also makes it easier to get to get people on board as well because you've already got that there to be like look you know i've done this before i know you know uh even though you i'm sure you struggle with the whole idea of you know look look at this i've done it it works let's do it i'm amazing but um that's probably the best way like say seeing seeing that impact and having that impact there for both the staff and the children, I think is is the most rewarding. But I think that that's really what you know. Certainly, again, what I'm in early years for is for that impact on on the children and on the staff and on the sector. You, you know, more widely, I think that that's where the motivation comes from. It comes from the having having that impact. Yeah, and I really do believe that you know every setting does have the ability to provide the best outcomes for children with with just a few tweaks really and a little bit of commitment and a lot of cpd but i don't think it has to cost the earth to achieve it um so yeah anyway that's my little bit of it you know that's my side hustle sure you better self-promotion but you have got you have also got the uh, the created curriculum newsletter haven't you that you're starting to yeah, oh gosh, aren't I starting a lot of things all at once? This is how my <laughs> works, right? I've got everything all at once, and then about six months, I'll be like, guys, newsletters being cancelled. <laughs> and you just realised now, as I've added it to that, you're like, oh, crack, I'm doing both at the same time. I know. Well, you know, basically, um, like I say, though, with the, with the other work, it's very much ad hoc, and I can choose to say to somebody, I haven't got the space, you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. Yeah, so basically, the curated curriculum, which can I just say I wanted to call the creative curriculum but it's already gone and it had one of them little like TM 
Oh, someone's copyrighted it, I think. Yeah, tra- trademarked it. Oh, no. I was like, I can't have creative curriculum. It's really made me a bit fuming. But I thought curated is going to have to be the best I can do. And I'm kind of liking it, actually. Um, so, basically, the idea is we have been following a... Um, have you heard... Well, you will have. Hooger in the early years. Um, yes. Smith is a name. Yeah. She does something called the Wonderlust Nature Study, and it is a 52-week program of sort of topics for each week. Um, as as you can imagine, I use it loosely. Um, so basically, it might be like these as your topic. And when I say I use it loosely, I might just set up a few invitations that link to bees or put some books out about bees. But we found it a really useful mechanism for um, just providing new opportunities and keeping practitioners motivated. Because when you're very in the moment, sometimes I think you can get a little bit stagnant and think, what can I do? What can I do? And and it takes a lot of skill, I think, to be in the moment. So, for example, our apprentices or, you know, less skilled uh, practitioners, they find it really beneficial having a little bit of a hook. So, anyway, to cut a long story short, we've been using that. But it's not perfect for me. Um, it doesn't quite fit my ethos because it is a little bit too rigid having something every single week. And we'll find that certain topics the children want to explore for longer periods of time, which, of course, we do. Um, but so, yeah, so it's really good, but it doesn't quite work for me. Um, so the idea of the curated curriculum is to come up with. We've been having meetings, myself and some of the practitioners from across the three settings, and we firstly discussed what our intentions are. And our intentions are basically how we, you know, what sort of learners we want to create. And, you know, we want learners that are, you know, confident, independent, resilient, inclusive, um, compassionate and creative. I think that's all six of the, the words that we used. Um, and now what we're working on is how, how we provide that. So... For example, um, we might break it down. And like I say, it's, it's an ongoing project, so it's not finalised in any sort of way. Um, it's really at the beginning of stages. But we might say that we create creative learners through open-ended play spaces, through loose parts, through um, woodwork, through having you know art uh, uh, materials available. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, it it, it does. And it obviously sounds sounds really interesting as well. Um, I I'm the same as you. I've got the Wonderlust Nature Study, and we have a nature shelf that we set up. You know, with a little with like what uh whatever it is around around that theme, and then see where the children want to take it. But I'm the same. I find it far too far too rigid to follow that every week, and you know, to it's some got some great ideas in it. Yeah. And it is really, it is really good as a little hook, like I say. Mm-hmm. But equally, it doesn't just, it just doesn't quite work for my ethos. So I think that you know that would work for certain people, but it doesn't work for me. And we just thought, let's get our heads together, like all of us that are passionate within the within the three settings, and let's create something that works for us and that we use. Um, and we do. I don't like monthly themes and topics, but we would like to break it down in a month by month way to give the to give the less skilled practitioners a hook. But we don't know what that's going to look like, and this is where this is why it's an ongoing project. Um, and the reason we have the newsletter really is that 
I obviously would like to create some sort of funds to support the creating of a physical document. Um, and the, I thought the best way to do that is if I do a newsletter as we're going along the journey, where I will you know, discuss my thoughts and, and give you sort of exclusive content, a bit like my blog post, but a little bit more exclusive, signpost people to more things. Um, then you're getting something in return for your five pound doing like your five pound subscription, which isn't a lot in the grand scheme of things because you're talking like one pound twenty per newsletter, and there's going to be lots of like links, things to look at and stuff like that. So I thought that's the fairest way to do it. You'll get an insight into my mind on this journey. Yeah, that 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 makes complete sense, and you know it sounds it does sound really exciting. It sounds interesting, and the whole idea of you, you know. Uh, taking us on the journey of how how where it is now and the evolution that will take place across it will be really interesting for for people to see as well because it's something that i'm sure they will reflect on when when they if you know if they do similar in their setting they'll follow, you know have a journey that they will be able to you know see and 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 have a look at how you've overcome different different challenges that i'm sure you'll face along the way different questions that that'll occur yeah, you'll get a real, real insight into the thoughts behind it. Because I think when you see a polished piece, so say I create this and it's a polished piece, you're going to see this is what we want to do. And, you know, there will be like, this is why and how we're going to do it. But with the newsletter, you're going to see my real, I think, struggle with different topics. So one of the newsletters I've already written um, for a couple of weeks now is to do with having invitations or not having invitations. Um and this was based on David Khan on um, Instagram. Signposted everyone to a podcast called Dirty Playologist Podcast. And he said in particular, listen to these uh, certain episodes. And I did. And my brain was like, wow. Now I'm like in a bit of a turmoil. So I've written a newsletter about like my thoughts, what I agree with, what I don't agree with, what I'm thinking. So it's really just going to give you a real insight into the the thinking of it behind it all that people who don't subscribe to the newsletter unfortunately won't get to see um which is sort of why i'm encouraging people you know it's only five pounds a month it's a little tiny bit and i'm hoping that when we create something we will have a free element to it so it'll be a free freely available document of some sort um i would like it to be a physical copy so that people can purchase a physical copy but the idea behind raising the funds is to pay for all that external stuff you know like putting mm -hmm. together and making it look really professional and stuff um and also you know it's nothing set in stone but a publisher has got in touch with me about the project and said would you like to turn it into a book so now there's more things thrown in now which i'm a little bit thrown by because um obviously if it's a book that won't be free but um i think that it might be worth exploring how i can create some free elements that people will get and then the book would be like an addition to them like a little bit more in depth maybe a little bit like the newsletters so yeah anyway i felt like i've just rambled on for ages then i feel like i was getting me um into some sort of words. <laughs> well, at least then you can listen back and you can write, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, that's it now. <laughs> yeah, what did I say I was doing that? <laughs> oh, gosh, honestly. But, yeah, it should be exciting. 
Yeah, just had a chat. Then obviously, I, I remember you mentioning the other day about the about about the publishing. I think think that'd be amazing. Like it's a, I think a physical document is important, isn't it? Because ultimately, that's how people what people want. They want that reference point, don't they? And over time, then having that supporting, you know, supporting document is always really helpful. And you know, from certainly from my point of view, I much prefer a physical purchasing a physical yeah. copy than having a just a digital one. Yeah, and I feel like what the idea behind it is that. If you are thinking, right, there's all this training being thrown at me and there's so much, there's so much isn't there out there and you don't know where to start, I feel like it'll be like a bit of a starter guide. So it'll be all about why my settings do what they do, how you can do that in your setting. Um, And then obviously lots of signposting because I'm not the expert in everything. So, for example, things like... um, inclusive practices you know I still have to do a lot of training on that and keep myself updated because that's not something that I am you know really strong at so yeah so it'll be like a little bit of a starting point for people and then they know where they need to go from there yeah that, that that's I'm, really helpful I'm saying this but I haven't actually got a clue so we'll find out <laughs> well time will tell won't it exactly what it looks like yeah. in the end Definitely. Um, yeah, so I haven't really got anything else going on. Oh, yeah, we have. We forgot to talk about my chickens. We, your chickens, the most important part of it all. Did add. you see, though, did you see that rear egg that I was given? Yes. Honestly, that was the heaviest thing I've ever felt. It was huge. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically, I wanted, I was going to get quails and then um there's a quail shortage apparently <laughs> wow okay there's a shortage of everything but yeah and then the woman at the sort of a uh, chicken place <laughs> <laughs> it was called Paige's poultry she had a lot of things including Rhea um which we nice. are because i didn't they're like small ostriches is that correct yeah i think they are i think so um, that that egg was enormous though just yeah just so incredibly need, large. You need to go and if you haven't seen that egg, you need to go and look at it. It's amazing. Um, and she said, "Get phantom hens," which embarrassingly I thought she said phantom hens. <laughs> so I was telling people that we were getting phantom hens, <laughs> and then my stepdad was like, "Do you mean phantom hens?" And I was like, "If there isn't phantom hens, then that must be what I mean." <laughs> what would phantom hens be? <laughs> like ghost hens. <laughs> Listen, right, I'm a bit thick. <laughs> um, like, for somebody who's, like, highly intelligent in some areas, I am not highly intelligent in other areas. Um, my intelligence is limited to very few topics. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, we've got four bantam hens, and I have to keep reminding myself that they're not phantom hens. Um, <laughs> we might have some phantom hens soon, though, if, you know... The foxes get them. <laughs> oh dear, yeah, crikey. That would be good in the morning, wouldn't it? Oh gosh, don't. Anyway, no, because I've been putting them away every night. So yeah, we've had these hens and they've just been such a like, they've been even more amazing. Children love them. Every time you go outside, there is a group of children looking at them, you know, just observing them, talking about them. It's so cute. And then they're only six weeks old now, but they'll start laying between 20 and 30 weeks. 
And do you know what, actually, this this is something that I don't know if you've been like following along with my little gardening project, but I'm not green fingered at all. So me and gardens don't really work. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to challenge myself to grow some vegetables and we're going to get the chickens and I'm going to be a little bit more outdoorsy. And what's been the best part of that is I've been learning with the children. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Do you know, like, other things, you go along and, you know, I know if I want to build a tower with ten blocks, that that little tiny block at the bottom isn't going to hold the other nine. Do you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have this urge, don't you, to butt in. But with this, it's, like, really organic because I don't know what's going to happen. And then it's even as silly as I went in the greenhouse yesterday and all the courgettes, like, had grown, the seedlings had grown. I think that's what you call them. Like when you've planted them, and then the little bit that comes up first, I think that's called a seedling. Do you know? Do you know? I mean, I, I don't. That I have heard that phrase before, so we could go with that. If yeah. Like, but I also do not garden. My <laughs> deputy manager is is the one who's in charge of growing our veg because well, yeah, I'd, I'd kill a cactus. So <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> I've killed many cactuses, um, <laughs> but I can keep children alive. So you know, every cloud. <laughs> <laughs> wing it swings and roundabouts is <laughs> I said wings, I've got chickens on my mind. Anyway, guys, <laughs> let me just finish this. I can't I need to stop being an idiot. So yeah, I saw the seedlings and I was like dead excited. Like I literally ran in the niche and was like, the courgettes have got seedlings. And there's something so nice about sharing that with the children. So I would encourage you to really go and try something new. And that's a little bit like the woodwork we've been doing. I don't know anything about woodwork. So it's been a real, it's been really a proper learning curve where we've had real sustained shared thinking because we've sat down and attached things together. And then they'll say, I want a leg. And I'm like, well, how are we going to attach a leg? And I genuinely don't know. <laughs> You're like, come on, guys. No, I really want ideas. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And then, but then that is the good thing because I genuinely don't know. And then a child will come up with an idea and I'm like, well, let's try it because I don't know. So we might as well just try it. And sometimes and sometimes it doesn't and there's that real wow moment for me when things do work so I'm like oh my gosh we made it work <laughs> yeah no, no, I, I have been following your gardening project um and the, and the woodwork as well and yeah you, it looks like you're, you're going big on the gardening project like you are actually going in on on growing enough veg there to be sustainable by the looks of it but no, um, I'm going in I am a you know a go hard or go home kind of person like there's no in between if I'm growing veg you're gonna have the rainbow <laughs> We're not just going to be growing one piece, one thing, or two things. Do you know what I mean? We're having everything. So. Yeah. And you can feed um, fresh vegetables, I think, before somebody starts like messaging me saying you cannot do that, to chickens. So anything we've got left, I think I can give the chickens. But I will Google that before I do it, because I don't want somebody coming at me and saying you're going to kill your chickens. Um, I always do my thorough research before I start things. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I've also the woodwork looks amazing. Looks so good. Like, it's really, really good. The only issue I'm having at the moment is I'm very protective of it. And I've been taking a couple of children at a time, but I haven't been getting enough time to like get everybody in there. And I still don't feel confident to just have it open as part of the continuous provision. Yeah. Just because it's tools. Um and I know the risks are low. Like, if you do Pete, Pete Morehouse's training, 
he like he always says with the sore, he's like a child might nick the finger, but they're not going to keep soaring until it's sore off, are they? So <laughs> that's a completely valid point. But, you know, <laughs> Really, the risk of injury isn't that that high in woodwork. Depending on what you've got, obviously, if you've got a chainsaw, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I want to get it opened up as part of the potential version, but I'm a little bit apprehensive. And as you say, I've been doing a lot of things at the moment, and I need to just slow it down a little bit. So I think we're going to get the chickens and the veggies sorted, and then once that's all a bit more established, I'm going to go in on the woodwork. Basically, just need like four of me. Oh, that's, that's possible, isn't it? If there that's... was four of me, then you'd be all right. Actually, be doing everything you can think of. One person could sit in the woodwork, one person can plant. There you go, you're all right then, aren't you? Yeah, one person can talk to the council and give you stupid ideas. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Wonder, what, wonder what that woman would say. Oh, can I tell you something else that woman said? Sorry. Cool. Yeah, uh, go on. Going off on tangents, but she said. We've got tables in our room because, unfortunately, mm-hmm. we don't have the luxury of having a separate area to eat. So yeah, we yeah. snack and things in the room. Also, I don't particularly mind having a table. It's not like we force the children to sit at them. And some children genuinely get things and go to the table. So I don't mind mm-hmm. as much. But she said, have you considered removing all of your chairs? Um, and I said, no, not really. And she said, because... What if the child just wants to run over, have a little touch of the Play-Doh and run off? And I said, well, they can just do that, can't they? And she put there's chairs there. And I was just a bit like thinking, this just feels like something to nitpick about. Because since when has a chair ever stopped a child from just running over to something, doing it and running off? Yeah, that wouldn't be my argument for not having chairs. So we're the same as you, obviously. We have to eat in our room. Um, and actually, because of the size of our wraparound provision being that we can have like 30 children in there, we have, you know, a couple of, of quite large tables, bigger than I would like, but they're required. And, you know, uh, like about a dozen, just over a dozen chairs. Now, to be fair, in our, our preschool environment, when we're the preschool, I do move the chairs away to the side. But that's not because it restricts children accessing the tables. It's more because like the tables are quite high. For the older children, so they can get under them, and it's act, they're actually the perfect height for the children to stand at and and work. You know, whether it's mark making, whether it's you know, ma- uh, you know, malleables, whatever they're doing there, the tables are already the right height for them, so they don't really need a chair to sit on to access the table because they're not leaning over. Um, so the, for that reason, I we do move the chairs in the day for the preschool. We just obviously put them out for lunch um, and snack. But I'm I'm not I don't really see that as a valid reason to be against the chairs because like you say it's not going to stop a child from going to touch a piece of play-doh or sensory or anything because they because there's a chair there unless the chairs are like enormous and they can't reach over the top and there's no gap in the table then that's not a, a valid point is it yeah it just felt very odd like she'd read something about not having chairs somewhere and she really didn't like chairs and I just and again it's just having that conversation with someone because yeah your point is completely valid um but our tables are low tables and yeah. children would be uncomfortable standing at them for Stood long up. periods of time they yeah. do go over and stand at them but often they get the chair I just felt like it was a bit nitpicky and I just was a bit like mm, there's bigger things to worry about at this setting than having chairs or not because this well, is 
the newest setting we've got and there's a lot of things to work on so I was just like yeah of course of course and like you say you know from like I, I, like obviously we as staff at times will either sit on the floor or we'll use chairs when we're sat at the table because the tables are too low for us to stand up and 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 you know engage with the children when they're on there because of the height of them so all of that stuff's got to be considered you know when, when you're deciding as to wh- whether you need chairs or not obviously being like I say just sound like you say just sounds like she's extremely anti-chairs which I must admit is a very unusual stance to take I don't think I've ever come across anybody who I would class as anti-chairs before. Well, actually, I think that there is some... some. Um, I think that Anna F. Grave isn't a fan of tables and chairs, if I remember rightly. But that's more because I think she's saying you don't want to encourage children to be sitting doing, like, worksheets or specific activities. She wants the environment to be more open. And if she'd have given me that reasoning... But it still would have been silly because on our tables, it's normally just what the children put out or like an invitation. But um, yeah, so I think there is, I feel like maybe she's got mixed up in that message and now she just doesn't want anyone to have a chair. Yeah, and an argument I've heard as well is the physical side. So when children are developing their early writing skills, then it's far, you know, it's obviously better for them to be stood up than it is sat down because they're not as restricted and, you know, and the movement of the shoulder and all, all that. So I'm on board again if that, you know that's a valid yeah. argument. Then I'd be on. I'd be on board with that. But just because it might stop someone coming and touching something on the table, I don't really think is is a valid argument. Like I say, it just sounds like she was she was just being pernickety and she she was looking that uh, coming in with the idea of looking for things that were wrong rather than rather than yeah. any, any other way of of looking at your environment. But I have decided that next time it comes, I'm gonna not have a chair for it in the office. Uh, yeah, that. yeah that's that's you need a chair so i haven't got one for you this you can just of, stand this is the kind of person i am i'm very upset <laughs> it comes at me about my nursery yeah i will be you know pathetic about anything <laughs> honestly i need to chill a bit but yeah um is there anything else that you wanted to, you know, mention or have you been like reading anything or doing anything that's like interesting that you wanted to share? I mean, in my, unfortunately, over the past few weeks, my time on social media has been pretty limited. I have not had as much time to look through what people have been sharing as, as I would like. Um, I need to try and factor that, that time back in. But it's hard, but as you know, it's very hard when you're doing about 15 different things at once to try and to try and find the time. That's the thing that we're struggling with with the bookshelf project is just finding the time to actually, you know, sort of engage with it as much as much as we'd like um, because we've just just been busy with everything else. So I haven't really got got anything that I can think of off the top of my head that I would want to share and, and signpost people to right now. Have you got anything? Um, no, not really. I mean, I think most of the people will have seen, most of our listeners, are, I think, come from Instagram. So I think most of them probably follow similar people and have seen similar things. So just wanted to give a congratulations to Kate Moxley on her book launch, which I have got on on order. Um, it should be here hopefully today. That would be good. Um, yeah, and that was, and, and, you know, it's been nice seeing what everyone's been up to, but there hasn't been anything, like, pressing that I feel like um, I can sign post you to, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, Kate's book looks 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 amazing. I've got it uh, already. It's on, it's on my list of things to 
read because the kid obviously is so important. Well being of our staff is 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 more important than ever at the moment, isn't it? So the kid it'll be really interesting read, I think, to, to how how that'll work in, in practice. And that's not it's my own well being as well. You know, it, it's not something that it's not one of my strong areas. I'm not that great at looking after myself. So hopefully it'll it'll help me in that way too. Yeah, definitely. And get like, you know, making sure you're not taking on too many tasks and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not great at that. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Well, Adam, it's been so nice to get back um, and just having a chat, really. And I know this has been about a bit about everything, but I think that's what makes this podcast interesting, really, because we're just having a nice conversation, sort of. Yes. Yeah, and obviously it's also been so long, so it's been important to, you know, catch up on what, what we've been doing while we've been away, and hopefully we'll be back in two weeks' time with a, another topic. Yeah, and if anybody has suggestions, do let us know. Um, But yeah, other than that, I will um, speak to you soon. Yep, speak soon. Bye. Bye.